On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, I am delighted to tell you that I got to spend an hour driving the Model 3. I want to tell you all about it. Plus, Tesla buys another company. A new software update lets you voluntarily slow down your Tesla if you want to. An update on the U.S. federal EV tax credit situation and more. What's happening, friends? Welcome to Ride the Lightning. It is the Tesla Motors unofficial podcast, episode number 119 for November 12th, 2017. My name is Ryan McCaffrey. To my left, a uh, slightly snoring Daisy the Boxer Puppy. It is great to be with you here uh, as we get towards the end. We're getting towards the end of 2017 already, and more and more Tesla employees, at least, are getting their Model 3s. And uh, I want to kick off the show with the very thing you heard at the top. I don't want to beat around the bush. Uh, One of those Tesla employees uh, kindly reached out and offered to show me their car. They were extraordinarily kind enough to let me to drive it. I didn't for a second ask or or presume as such, but they were, uh, the person was, was extraordinarily nice about it. Uh, and I got to take a one-hour drive. Took about a 30-minute drive uh, somewhere in the Bay Area. Had some some uh, dinner and then drove on back. Uh, it was So it was a good mix of sort of, well, mixed traffic, I guess would be the way to phrase it. Some, you know, city driving, some freeway driving, you know, good mix of speeds and traffic conditions. So uh, without further ado, I am very, very delighted to be able to share some Model 3 hands-on impressions. I want to note, this is not a review. I drove the car, like I said, for an hour, so uh, that's not nearly enough time for a review. You know, you've been, I have to say, as someone with a journalism background, uh, I, I just pull a pet peeve side note here. I, I've been getting kind of annoyed uh, at the, not personally annoyed, professionally annoyed, let's say, at a lot of the Uh, evaluations and things, uh, the impressions of Model 3 coming out that are calling themselves reviews because in my, I don't want to even, humble opinion, but I I can even say in this case, in my professional opinion, they're not reviews. You got to live with a car. If you're reviewing a car like a Motor Trend does or one of those, you're living with it for a week uh, or at least, you know, multiple days, three, four, five days or longer. Anyway, uh, I got an hour and it was enough to, to definitely uh, take some observations and, and some notes that I want to share. And I want to I share first something that you may ridicule me for, you may hold against me later, <laughs> and that's fine. But I always want to be honest here. And, you know, I, if you've been listening since the beginning or if you ever went back to episode one to sort of hear my little Tesla origin story, you know that like, you know, cars, the, the cars that matter to me, which to date have really have only ever been Teslas and the DeLorean really meant something special to me more than just being a car. And uh, I have to say uh, on that note, when I was in the Model 3 and, and sort of drive, you know, been driving for a couple minutes and it started to sink in a little bit, but I, that I was behind the wheel of this thing, I got a little emotional, not like, you know, 
tears forming in my eyes or anything, not quite to that extent, but I could sort of feel it. I could feel it inside. It's This was a moment that I had been waiting for for the last uh, really nine years, or I guess, what are we, 20, uh, eight years to be fair. It'll be nine by the time I get the car. But, you know, this has been something I've been dreaming about and waiting for and wanting for such a long time. And even though, you know, this wasn't my car, I didn't get to keep it. But just this this dream that had been, uh, I mean, it really was an idea for so long. And you go, okay, well, Tesla's 30, you know, they're a $35,000 car. They're a afford- more affordable car. That's going to be my next car. I can't wait. And then, you know, learning the name of it and then learning what it looked like and then learning, more, you know, as time goes on. And, and it just was sort of a culmination of, of a lot of things. And yeah, I could just kind of feel, you know, that sort of surge of, of, uh, of emotion build up a little bit. And, and so again, you know, you may think that's goofy and that's totally fine. You know, I, I'm just, I just want to share, honestly, again, I, I don't claim to be, uh, unbiased in this at all. I have, I acknowledge my Tesla fanboyism that was born again, like I told you in the very first episode, uh, when I first got to drive the Roadster, that that changed my life driving wise. That that was the beginning of the end of one thing and the beginning of of the rest of my life from a driving from a car perspective. Like this was this was the way forward as far as I was concerned. So anyway, uh, I'm babbling now. You want to hear the impressions? So uh, as I as I drove more, here here's some things. I just wrote down a bunch of notes that occurred to me. Uh, the regen on the Model 3 uh, seems interestingly a bit weaker than in the Model S and Model X for, for some reason. And the, the owner uh, sort of thought, felt the same way when I pointed it out. So that, that was sort of an interesting thing. I don't know if that's a function of the fact that the Model 3 is using the permanent magnet motors, which are very, very different than the uh, induction motors of the, of the S and the X or what. But... Uh, that was, you know, it's not, you can still definitely one pedal drive. It's just a, it's an adjustment if you're used to the Model S or X. Uh, also, the the rear view camera, uh, I may have mentioned this before, but in the times that I have gotten to spend behind the wheel of Teslas, I am someone I prefer, I keep the, uh, the rear view camera turned on at all times while driving, and I like to keep it in the top window, and then usually in the bottom window is either maps or, uh, or the, the, audio entertainment, whatever I've got going on down there. Because uh, the if you, if you look over your shoulder, particularly your, your left shoulder, you're, you're checking your driver's side blind spot, it's, it's really hard to do that by, by manually looking because of the way the C-pillar is on the S uh, and certainly the X as well. And the three is the same way, so I, I, uh, I do like to use that camera as a check to make sure there's not a car back there. And just in, I don't know if it was just in this particular Model 3 or if this is how they're all going out right now, but I thought that the rear view camera, the backup camera, was aimed way too low. Like it was, it was uh, just not, it was aimed, you know, almost right down at the road rather than sort of straight out. So I'm hoping that's an adjustment that can be made, uh, you know, right at the factory and that's something that they'll, they'll address moving forward. Uh, a real positive thing here I want to note is that the view from the driver's seat, you know, the lack of an instrument cluster has been a a major point of discussion with this car. And yes, that was weird. And I'm going to get to that a little bit in a little while here. But 
I want to note that just the view from the driver's seat, when you're, when you're looking out at the road, you're driving, it's, it's like a really cool combination of the, the S and the X in that regard, as far as that view from the driver's perspective, because it's a sloped sedan like the Model S is, but because of that minimalist dashboard, it's just such a small little dashboard that's pushed so far back in the car, there's a long, it's, there's a lot of glass in front of you, which has uh, a bit of the feel of the Model X in that regard. You, uh, regard. you don't get the, the glass going right over your head the way that you do in the X, but, but there's a lot of glass in front of you. So it's a, it, it just, to me, having driven uh, both the S and the X for a reasonable bit of time, uh, it's, I've, actually, I've driven the S a lot, not as much the X, but it just sort of reminded me of a combination of those two. Now, uh, out the rear view mirror, which by the way, I found to be almost laughably small. It, it works, but man, it's, it's tiny. You, can, you, it is, you can't see, uh, you don't get a ton out of there. You can basically just see out of the back window. It's the, this, it feels like it's gotta be the same tiny rear view mirror that's on the, the Model X. Although in that car, it's just like laughably small uh, because of course the, the, the X is so much bigger of a vehicle. But on that note, when you're looking at in the rear view mirror, the, 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 for lack of a better term, the butt of the Model 3 is so tall. The car has, a, has sort of a tall butt in that regard that it makes it tough to see cars out of the rear view mirror because you don't, the, the butt is so tall that you don't really get the headlights. You just sort of see the tops of other cars. Um, so I thought that, I mean, that was, I'm not saying that as a complaint, but as something that would, will definitely take me some getting used to. So uh, there's that. I do want to say the front seat feels very comfortable, very, very comfortable in the car, uh, which I had previously noted from my, you know, what, two-minute test ride uh, at the launch event back in, on July 28th when I was in the, the passenger, the front passenger seat. But being in the driver's seat for an extended amount of time, I found the seat to be very, very comfortable. So uh, that was a huge relief. That felt good. Now, you probably already knew about the door pockets, the storage in those door pockets that the S and the X don't have, one of those little creature comfort things that have been added to the three and will inevitably be added to the S and the X at some point. But here's something I didn't know that maybe you didn't know as well. Uh, did you know that those door front door pockets are, are LED lit at night? There's a white LED light in there that really makes, uh, really just adds a nice premium touch to the interior, in my opinion. And on that note, speaking of premium, my presumption is, uh, and the, the owner presumed the same thing but didn't know because there, there are no non-premium interior package cars out there yet, but both the owner's presumption and mine was that that lit LED door pocket uh, was, was part of the premium package. So uh, handling-wise, the car, uh, I had it set to the Sport Steering, it was normal at first, and then uh, it was adjusted uh, when I told the owner that my preference in the S and the X is sport. So it felt great uh, in there. The steering wheel itself is a tad smaller than, than that found in the S or the X, which makes sense. It's a bit of a smaller car. It's a little narrower. Uh, Driving-wise, the car does feel great, great in a curve. 
It's got very, very nice pickup. Now, what's interesting about it is this was, you know, so this was a long range Model 3 since that's all they're producing so far. So zero to 60 time advertised 5.2 seconds. When you just nail it from zero, I felt like there wasn't a ton behind it when you launch it. It takes a moment to, to kick in. But um, it kind of felt like, by the way, uh, if you've ever driven the lower spec Model X, like the either the 60 or the 75D Model X before the uncorking that happened recently, I, I would kind of compare it to that, even though the Model 3 is technically quicker than that. There's that sort of feel to it. But that being said, at speed, you know, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, whatever, at speed, if you nail the pedal, if you mash the pedal, you get an instant burst of acceleration that just felt awesome. So huge thumbs up there with some nice pickup at speed. Uh, what else can I tell you? The 15-inch touchscreen dashboard. I have to say, it, it felt smaller when you're in the car and you're, and you're using it than it looked in pictures, at least in my opinion. Now, that's not a complaint, more of just an observation. I will say, you know, I, I could still reach everything and get all the information I needed, but it did feel significantly smaller than the 17-inch touchscreen in other Teslas, uh, particularly because you can't, you know, in, in the S and the X with the vertical orientation, the portrait orientation, you know, you can stack two windows on top of each other or go with one big window. But in the three, it's divided uh, horizontally. There's the left third of it is dedicated full-time to what would be the instrument cluster on the S and the X, where it shows the uh, little icon of your car and the lines in the road and the other, you know, it's the autopilot stuff and what the car is seeing as, you know, with your speed information, your, uh, your energy uh, plus or minus information, meaning you're either, if you're either, putting energy in or uh, meaning regenning, or if you're, or you're in the orange in the SRX, meaning you're using information. It's, although it's not, doesn't have a color assigned to it in the current version of the UI. But uh, yeah, and then you can only really have one, mostly one main thing up on the screen. Uh, you know, so I like to have the camera up. So I had that up, but that meant I couldn't also have the navigation up and there was no instrument cluster for that to live right in front of me on a second screen. So that is, is a, a, you know, a little bit of an odd one for me that I unfortunately I'm gonna have to choose between that backup camera and navigation when I want it. Now, of course, navigation does still have the, the voice commands. So you can just listen for the, the audio instructions, but I'm a person, I like to see what's going on with the nav as well. But that's, so that's gonna be an adjustment from, you know, compared to, that's a luxury basically that the S and the X have that the three doesn't. But at least on the, the good news, the, uh, the entertainment system, the infotainment, you can, that is docked in the lower, like the bottom, bottom sort of chunk of the right two thirds of the screen that are the customizable side. But, uh, you can and you can either have it sort of docked down, you know, pr fairly minimally, or you can make that a little bigger uh, to to take up a you know a, a larger chunk, like maybe a third to a half of of the right side of the of that screen real estate that's available. Uh, what else can I tell you? So 
the action, the lack of the instrument cluster, which I alluded to a minute ago, I will say I'm not opposed to having no instrument cluster, but in the current version of the software, which uh, again, admittedly, that's caveat here. This is an early version of the software that, uh, you know, since the public deliveries haven't even, you know, the the really, the non-employee, non-friend of Tesla deliveries haven't even started yet, but it was it was bizarre trying to figure out where and how to get the information that I needed. So, for instance, adjusting your speed with autopilot on is done on the touchscreen. Uh, there's a plus or a minus if you want to increase or decrease your speed with autopilot activated. So that means you you basically have to take your eyes off the road to do that, which seems bad. Uh, it, to me, it would seem like a good move to put this functionality on the scrolling wheel somehow, which do f- perform a lot of functions in the car. I mean, I don't know, maybe because you maybe the because you got the left one for volume on your media. Maybe the maybe I don't know. The, maybe the right one could adjust your speed. The right scroll wheel could adjust your speed up and down. I don't know. So you can keep your eyes on the road, but. Um, as I said, it, it, it is unfortunate not to be able to have the, the nav and the backup camera on while driving. That would be my preference. Um, but that, that, is, that is, I guess, one of the sacrifices being made here. Also, the forward-most storage cubby in the center console is annoying to close. In fact, the, the owner pointed this out to me specifically. Uh, it, it just keeps wanting to pop back up. It's, it's, uh, you have to have a real sort of not too delicate, but not too firm touch to close it. And if, if you keep trying to close it and it doesn't close, the, it'll actually yell at you <laughs> on the touchscreen. It'll, it, it'll say, gently close the center console lid. So that seems like a little, you know, minor thing that will hopefully get tweaked and fixed by the time any of us get our cars. Uh, I, I will say the build quality felt fantastic. Uh, the, on the road, the car was solid as a rock. No squeaks, no rattles. I mean, it was, it felt like a, a just a totally brilliantly made car in that regard with just, you know, like they'd been building it for years as far as the, the, um, the, the premium feel of the car at speed. And, you know, I, I've already commented from, again, from the July 28th launch event, the interior bits to me, have a very premium feel and and uh, sort of look about them. You know the the uh, the, the armrests on the doors and the, the Alcantara on the upper door panels and the Alcantara headliner. Uh, the, I, I told you about the seats and the you know the center console's nice and it's got LED lights and the door pockets with the LED lights there. So very very impressed by the interior. And then one other ride note, this is my, it's actually my last note on the car from my one hour with it. I thought the ride was pretty nice. Uh, this car had the 19 inch sport wheels on there, but I want to just caveat that specifically by saying I don't really have anything to compare the ride to except my own almost 12 year old car at this point, which uh, I will say that they both, both my car and this Model S were run on uh, 19 inch wheels and tires. So there's at least a little bit of a, of a baseline there, but you know, hard to compare and hard to say 
what you're going to think of the ride because, you know, if you're comparing it to an S or an X or you're comparing it to whatever car you're going to be coming from, but just for whatever it's worth, which I acknowledge may be very little, I thought the ride uh, in the car was pretty nice overall. So uh, a couple of you just sort of coincidentally called in with questions. I Obviously, nobody listening knew that I was going to be driving the Model 3 until until you're hearing this now. But a couple questions here, which I now can definitively address. So I want to start. I want to go take a quick call from John in New Orleans. Uh, John, what is your Model 3 question? Hey, Ryan. This is John from New Orleans calling again. Um, what I was thinking about was with the release of the iPhone 8 a couple weeks ago and the iPhone 10 coming out this week, um, as well as the many Android phones that have had this functionality for years, I was thinking about, have you heard anything about Qi wireless charging in the Model S, X, or 3? Or maybe that's a function that's already been there and I just didn't know about it. Um, I was thinking about, you know, with the Model 3, with your smartphone being the key to your car, it would be really nice to have a, a wireless charging pad that you could just drop your phone on and not have to worry about wires. Um, I know that, um, I believe it was in the Model X uh, and maybe the S, um, they have a, a smartphone holder case where you can just drop it in um, and it'll charge right up. But I thought that was wired. Um, so I didn't know if you had heard about any Qi wireless charging with most smartphones now, that being the standard. Um, yeah, that was it. And I love the podcast and keep up the great work. Thank you. Bye. So yes, indeed, John, all three active Tesla models do have a phone dock in the center console, even the Model 3. In fact, uh, the Model 3 has two of them. You can put two smartphones side by side, either uh, USB-C or Lightning for Apple for iPhone. Sadly, though, they are all wired and none of them support the uh, uh, Qi, I believe is how it's pronounced, wireless QI, Qi wireless charging standard. So no go in the Model 3 uh, or even the S and the X. That mean, on that note, I would definitely expect that in the S and the X sooner rather than later, but I, I don't think that's something we're going to see in the 3 because that's exactly the kind of thing that the upscale premium car would have that the more affordable one wouldn't. But uh, yeah, no go on the wireless charging standard in any of the Teslas, including the Model 3, for now. Uh, and then the other Model 3 call I wanted to do right here is uh, from Neil in Ireland, who wants to ask about locking the Model 3. Neil, go ahead. Hey, Ryan. How you doing? Neil here from Dublin in Ireland. Uh, first off, just want to say, keep up the good work in the show. It's great. Um, so my question is around the Model 3 and how you unlock it. I guess there's been a lot of videos going around lately showing people uh, just using their phone with the, with the uh, app to unlock lock the car and it seems like the phone doesn't need to be um, active so it can just be in sleep mode in your pocket and it seems like it will lock. So what I was wondering was for people like myself, um, I have to pass my car every time I'm leaving my property and I was just wondering then would that start causing a lot of accidental unlocks and how, how will the Model 3 handle that? I don't know, maybe some of the listeners out there who, who have Model 3s could confirm how that sort of system would work. I, I presume they have something in place that if it detects that you've unlocked and you've continued walking on by or the Bluetooth signal gets weaker, that then it, uh, it automatically locks the car again. But I'd be interested to hear um, 
your thoughts and if any of the other listeners who have cars, their thoughts on it as well. But uh, thanks a million and cheers. Thank you for the call and for the kind words, Neil. And pardon me if I've said this on the podcast before, but I adore Dublin. I got to spend uh, about a week there. I uh, I went to the to Ireland for the DeLorean's 20th anniversary back in 2001. Yeah, 2001, May of 2001. And the uh, the cars were built up in Dunmurray, just outside of Belfast. But I flew in with a friend, a fellow DeLorean owner, flew into Dublin and had intended to just go straight up to Dunmurray and hang out up there. Uh, but Dublin was so awesome that we just stayed there at a B&B until it was time to go up to the car show, uh, to the event. And then we did that. And then we came back after it was over before it was time to leave and hung out in Dublin some more. Wonderful city. I love it. Guinness Brewery, so good, that that 360-degree uh, bar that, that overlooks the entire city. Oh, so good. Anyway, uh, so Neil, I happened to witness the locking situation firsthand when I was having my uh, Model 3 experience last weekend. It will indeed lock itself again very quickly if you don't open the door or do anything. So I think you definitely don't have to worry about walking by your car with your phone in your pocket having it unlock, and then having it just un- left unlocked for any significant duration of time, let alone something like an all-day situation. So it, it basically, I mean, really the best way to think of it, it behaves just like the Model S and Model X key fob. It's just that the phone is the key fob rather than a little, you know, toy car, toy Model S or Model X looking thing. So thanks so much, Neil. And uh, let's move on here. On to Tesla news. So yeah, just before... I, I actually move on. Let me just say, because, uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, more and more. I'm lucky I've got uh, some Tesla employees that are listening to this podcast. Uh, and some of those people are starting to get their cars and, and one of them reached out. And I just that person knows who they are. Uh, they they wanted their privacy respected here. So I, I won't I, I won't sort of publicly thank them. I just want to say, you know who you are. Uh, that was such a thrill for me. Uh, you know, the, the, the bonus that it made good Tesla podcast content was, you know, the cherry on top of the Sunday. But just again, like I was saying before, as somebody who has been waiting for this thing for, for eight years, uh, it meant a lot to me to get to drive one in, you know, November of 2017, bef- you know, well before most, most people get to. So I, 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 don't take that opportunity for granted, and I don't take your generosity for granted. So to that that extremely generous Model 3 owner, thank you, thank you so much. That really meant the world to me. Uh, let's move on here. Even better, we've got, it just, it gets better than having driven the Model 3. South Dakota Senator John Hoven claims uh, that the EV tax credit is back. Uh, in the Senate's version of the tax reform plan, it was the House's version that uh, omitted it. So uh, nothing definitive here to report yet either way, but this is straight out of a senator's mouth that it is back in. Uh, so it does still remain to be seen what, if anything, does actually get passed by the end of this year that would that could thus go into effect on January 1st, 2018. So I'm still going to keep a very, very close eye on this one for sure. In fact, on that note, uh, another call relevant to this exact topic. Adam in Sonoma 
uh, is curious how the record number of Model S and X owners might affect Model 3 reservation holders with regard to the, the tax credit. And he's got some other uh, potentially helpful information for folks as well on this topic. So Adam, please take it away. Hi, Adam in Sonoma. Um, I have a question and a short comment. Um, my question is, with the tax credit, given that you said record number of Model X and Model X orders are placed in Q3, um, what is the likelihood, you, in your estimation, that people holding a Model 3 reservation will not be able, will not be able to get a tax credit at all, regardless of what happens with the GOP tax proposal? Because given the delay and the increase in Model X and S orders, it just seems quite unlikely that many people will get that credit. So I'm curious about your take on that. Um, and then a short comment is with the with you know I've seen this a lot in like green car reports and, and different different automotive um, websites, Autoblog, mentioning a GOP tax proposal, ask people to call Congress. You know, I, I understand you didn't, don't want to get too political, everyone's in different parties, but, you know, instead of just reporting it, we, we all share concern here. I think we're, everyone would like to have 7500 bucks back in their pocket. That's not very partisan at all. So if you're concerned about it, here's the number for call, to call Congress, 202 uh, four. I think 3121, I believe it is. So just a simple suggestion. Um, thanks again for, uh, for the, thanks very much for this uh, podcast. I think it's great. Thank you, Adam. And I appreciate you giving the number for Congress there. It's definitely worth contacting your elected representatives, no matter which party they are from. Uh, also, Plugin America has an online form you can fill out that will help contact your representatives uh, with specific regard to not ending the federal EV tax credit. So uh, if you are curious about that, I'm going to put a link to it in the show description because it is way too long and complicated of a URL for me to just dictate to you right now. Uh, and by the way, regarding the tax credit for Model 3 buyers, this is Adam's other thing, Tesla now expects to hit a production run rate of, as you remember from last week in the uh, investor call, of about a few thousand, quote unquote, per week by the end of the year which we have to assume the worst on just you know just assume the worst on meaning they would they would ramp to that the last week of December so if the tax credit does get terminated on January 1st 2018 that's already thousands of model 3 buyers who wouldn't get it just because of the production bottleneck uh, even if if maybe even tens of thousands but the last reported figure was 140,000 Teslas sold lifetime in the U.S., thus counting towards that 200,000 sold in the U.S. Uh, but even, I think, even, even the quote-unquote record numbers of Model S and Model X orders probably aren't going to move the needle a ton here. It, you know, it may have pushed it back into Q1, which is uh, from Q2, meaning because that's Q1s where many of us were expecting that 200,000 uh, unit phase-out trigger prior to the Model 3's production delay. But it, it's unfortunately, it's all going to be a moot point if Congress does, in fact, abolish the tax credit on, uh, you know, effective after January, or pardon me, effective after December 31st. So obviously going to stay on top of this story. Next up this week, if you have been killing it in the referral program, uh, 
there is a new unlockable experience waiting for you. If you look in your Tesla app and look in your sort of loot crate thing that, that gives you all those uh, progress the, on the rewards, if you refer, I, I believe I have this right, 25 people, 25 referrals, which uh, gets you to reach 40% of the goal towards that next gen, free next-gen Roadster. So I believe it's 25 people because it's 40%. You will win an invitation to watch the Falcon Heavy rocket launch, the first one from Cape Canaveral in Florida. Now, it is, it's unclear if Tesla is paying for your travel expenses, but I would just presume probably not since they didn't explicitly say so. Uh, in the the screenshot there that that was sort of the proof of this, Bonnie Norman, by the way, a longtime Tesla community member, uh, owner, by the way, of the last Founder Series Model X, the very last one. So you might, if if you get to do this, you might get to potentially witness history. Uh, if, you know, if hopefully all goes off smoothly, because this is this is like the next big step forward for SpaceX. So. Could be a very, very cool thing to get to go witness. Moving on this week, still plenty more to get to, uh, including this. Tesla has purchased a Minnesota-based company called Perbix, P-E-R-B-I-X. They build machines and plans in order to help companies automate their processes. So I'm thinking, yeah, uh, Tesla might be interested in that. That seems like something that that's uh, up their alley. And Perbix is about 150 employees, and Tesla was already a client. So I would have to think that now Tesla's their only client. The owner is a gentleman by the name of James Dudley. He got $10 million in a combination of cash and 34,772 shares of Tesla stock. If he, in my humble opinion, if he is wise, he'll hang on to that stock and have pretty good odds at making a lot more money than that down the road. But either way, uh, Mr. Dudley probably sitting in pretty good shape, probably a happy camper right now that he's part of the Tesla family and got a nice uh, payday on the company there. So yes, they will be, I would think for mostly quietly help. I don't think we're going to necessarily hear about them in the news uh, so much since they're, you know, they're just sort of a behind the scenes company that's that's there to assist in Tesla's efficiency and production efforts. All right, how about this now? Uh, we're going to finish with a, one story that's got a few different parts in it. Remember a while back when Elon on Twitter promised that the entire Tesla fleet, with apologies to the 2,500 Tesla Roadsters, that the entire fleet would get an update that would allow you to have the seat and steering wheel move back every time you get in or out of your car in order to allow for easier ingress and egress. Well, that update has just happened. So all of us are going to get it in our Model 3s. It'll be there when we take delivery. And uh, that's great. So plenty plenty of other non-Tesla vehicles have this, and it's cool that Tesla could just go ahead and add this remotely. That's awesome. I mean, the original... Think about it this way. Again, I... Uh, my cousin Pat in Arizona, he's got a February 2013 build Model S. So it is it is one of the early, early cars. And his, you know, his car, the original Model S's, they don't get a ton of new features anymore since they don't have autopilot uh, equipped. 
But this, this definitely counts as a new feature. So uh, and think about that. Those cars, my cousin Pat's car is now just coming up on five years old and it's still getting new functionality added to it almost five years later. That is pretty awesome, if you ask me. Uh, on that note, some of you will find this awesome. A, a, uh, a new feature has been added to the Tesla software that in the cars, a chill acceleration mode. It's, it is actually called chill. It, uh, it eases the car's acceleration when you enable it. And in, in the release notes, Tesla says, quote, chill makes acceleration more gradual, ideal for smoother driving and a gentler ride for your passengers. Well, I'll tell you, I know my wife would love for me to drive with that on all the time. I won't be doing that, but <laughs> I know she'd love it. It could also be good if, uh, more seriously, if you just want to maximize your range and or your efficiency, that could be a good way to do that if you, uh, if you do not feel the need to, uh, to get on the pedal particularly too often. And another thought I had on this, because this, this is, again, a, a very interesting feature to add to the cars. It, you know, I, I've already said once this show, I, you know, I admit my fanboyism for Tesla. I, and, but even as such, I, I still, I try to avoid hyperbole. It's, it's dangerous. It's, it's usually reckless. It's usually irresponsible uh, as far as I'm concerned. But, and I say that because what I'm about to say might sound a little hyperbolic, but I don't think it is. Hear me out here. And it's in regard to this chill mode. And that is, how drastically has Tesla shifted the paradigm on electric vehicles that if you go back 10 years, if you go back a decade, electric cars, what few there were, were generally considered boring and unappealing in part, not entirely, but in part because they were slow. They were like golf carts. Fast forward 10 years to now, and Tesla has come along and built a fleet of cars, which they've, they've made faster for free, by the way, uh, in, in many cases, that the cars that are so quick that they have had to implement a new feature to optionally nerf them for some owners who, want, who don't want them to go so fast. That is cool. I just love that. I love that so much. Uh, and, and in fact, even on that related note, the one you know, the seventy five Ds have been getting the attention for the the quote unquote uncorking, you know, adding a one second or subtracting a second from the zero to sixty time. Well, uh, Brooks from Drag Times, who I've uh, mentioned on here before, I like his videos. He does a lot of a lot of Tesla drag race videos. He got his hands on a very new one hundred D which presumably had uh, newest new software and possibly also a new motor in it from, uh, you know, Tesla had said back with the 75Ds, hey, hardware and software improvements are going to enable the uncorking. Well, this brand new 100D, he ran it on the track with the V-Box, the whole, you know, scientific measuring equipment, and he ran 0 to 60 in the 100D, stock 100D, nothing done to it, 3.6 seconds. And a reminder that Tesla advertises that car at, uh, I believe, 4.1, if memory serves. I'm just going to double check here real quick. But nevertheless, that is approximately a half a second faster 
than Tesla even advertises it. 4.1 seconds, I was correct. And I, first of all, that's awesome. Number one, again, so cool. Second of all, I have to think that they're not advertising that because the premium that you pay to go full P100D and get down to that, uh, that 2.5 seconds, it's expensive. Uh, you're going from, uh, yeah, it is about, it's a 40, or sorry, yeah, uh, yeah, $41,000 premium to go from the 100D to the P100D. That's a lot. And if uh, Tesla went out advertising the 3.6 seconds on the 100Ds, they might not quite get as many takers on the P100D because a lot of people might might re- fairly reasonably think that, well, 3.6 is pretty darn good, and it's going to, if you feel so inclined, it's going to beat just about any other car on the road, even without the performance spec. But nevertheless, uh, more, more awesomeness out of Tesla. I love it. It's so fun. Uh, finally, similar note to that, a bit of, for you Apple owners, Apple iPhone, a bit of Siri voice command functionality has been added to that iOS version of the Tesla smartphone app. So this is seriously, it's a straight up, uh, I grew up in the 80s. This is a dream come true territory because you can straight up night rider your car now because uh, you can tell the car, you can tell Siri to lock or unlock the car. It doesn't do a ton. That's about all it does right now. Uh, you also, you can get it to flash the lights, you know, sort of some super, super basic things, but you can be, you can, you can say, Hey Siri, unlock my car. Uh, but of course you could say it cooler than that. You could try to, you know, go Hasselhoff on it and be like, Hey Siri, I don't even, I can't even, there, what, what would a Hasselhoff impression even be? I don't know, but you know, you can sound as cool as you want, uh, or just be you and being you is cool. And you can tell your, your car to unlock itself via your voice. And that is so cool. Because bonus points, by the way, if you're, if you're going to go Night Rider your car to unlock, your, unlock or lock your car, bonus points if you're using one of the new uh, LTE-enabled Apple Watches. Cause, so that means, you're, you know, because remember, Michael Knight had the watch that he talked to Kit with. So if you are, if you are using, doing this with a... With a cellular enabled LTE watch that's extra night rider bonus points for you and that is so cool i love that so much that's that's brilliant uh, all right that is the week in tesla news so much fun stuff and i was happy to provide some of my own news with those uh, model 3 hands-on impressions hopefully i'll get another crack at driving it in the not too distant future so i can just continue to build on my thoughts and be able to share more and more with it but um i'm certainly not looking the gift horse in the mouth. I'm so grateful for the opportunity that I did receive. I'm going to come right back and uh, uh, quite a good number of more excellent phone calls to get to in the Ride the Lightning hotline. Stay tuned right after this. Ride the Lightning Hotline time. It is your time to shine where you've got your questions, comments, discussion topics. You call in. We talk about it. Uh, and it's fun. 
it's, it's my, I, I love this part of the show because it's good to get other voices besides mine in there. It's, it's, and it's who, who better than you guys, the very folks kind enough to listen to this, participate, have fun. It's great. Uh, you can either record your question on your smartphone and email me the file. You can send that to teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can just dial in on the toll-free Ride the Lightning hotline. You just call in anytime, 24-7, and leave a message. The number is 1-888-989-8752. That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Let's kick it off with Kevin in Wisconsin. He's got one last guess about the Tesla Semi Surprise. Remember, that event is coming up next week, so I'm going to be reporting on that. Uh, Kevin, what do you think? Good morning, Ryan. This is Kevin from Eagle, Wisconsin. In the remaining hours before the Tesla Semi reveal, I wanted to give you one last guess of what may be the big surprise at the event. Not a Knight Rider deployment of a Roadster, nor even a Model Y. I think Elon may have tipped his hand at his TED interview this past April. Elon stated, the Tesla Semi, we want to show that no, an electric truck actually can out-torque any diesel Semi. And if you had a tug-of-war competition, the Tesla Semi will tug the diesel Semi uphill. Laughter ensued from the audience. I think we might see such a demonstration take place. Maybe not uphill, but definitely the pulling capacity of an electric semi-truck will be shown. What do you think? Have a great weekend. Bye. Hi, Kevin, and welcome to the podcast. Uh, your theory is probably the most grounded, and honestly, it's sounding so reasonable as to convince me that I think you're right. In other words, if I was to go to Vegas and place a bet on just what Elon Musk's surprise there is going to be, I think I would put money down on exactly what you said. A, a semi-truck tug-of-war would accomplish a couple things. First, it would obviously show off the capabilities of the Tesla Semi, and who wouldn't watch that? That would be an absolutely spectacular viral video slash soundbite, uh, albeit in video form, that would totally go all over social media and the news sites. In other words, it's a great headline. So uh, great stuff, Kevin. I love that theory a lot. We will find out in just a few days now what, in fact, it's going to be. So thank you so much for the call. Next up, Damon from Illinois is replying to my theory on Model 3 performance, the performance Model 3 specifically, uh, versus Model S performance. I talked about this, uh, I guess it would have been two weeks ago since we didn't do the hotline last week. So uh, I, I enjoy talking about the Model th the theoretical performance of the performance Model 3. It's a fun topic, so let's hear from Damon. 
Hi, Ryan. This is Damon out of Northbrook, Illinois. Just uh, calling to comment on your uh, episode 117, the Halo Master Chief edition. Um, Big fan myself. Just wanted to uh, address something you brought up early on in the episode regarding the Model 3 performance versus uh, Model S and how they might hamstring the Model 3 so as not to cannibalize Model S. Uh, I think there's another perspective that could be had here. Um, When you look at other uh, luxury car brands, uh, Mercedes S-Class versus AMG cars, uh, BMW 7 Series versus M cars, or uh, Audi um, A8 versus their S and RS cars, um, where pretty much all the performance variants uh, have faster acceleration times and better cornering and and better performance um, than the luxury large vehicles. And uh, I think the same could be uh, thought for the the Model 3 versus Model S. I myself am a performance car guy. Uh, I've done some autocrossing and some track days. And um, I have an M3 and uh, uh, FD RX-7. Um, and those cars probably don't necessarily appeal to someone who might be looking uh, for um, a larger, more expensive luxury car. My grandfather and uncle uh, drive like uh, Mercedes S-Classes and uh, BMW 7 Series, and they just... You know, they're, they're just not as roomy, they're not as uh, luxurious, they're not as quiet, and uh, it's just a, a different car that they're, they're uh, looking to buy. Um, you know, I think the, M, uh, the Model 3 could be a, uh, uh, a sub three-second car um, with, you know, not a whole lot of uh, investment in terms of... Uh, uh, the technology, you know, without a, 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 as big a cost penalty as there might be in the jump to a Model S P100, um, it has uh, a lot less weight than the Model S, and uh, we've seen uh, Model S's weight reduced uh, that that have. Um, <clears throat> much faster zero to 60 times in quarter mile times there's a white tesla that's drag racing right now that you know uh has uh seconds faster um uh quarter mile times um the electric gt has a you know nearly two second zero to 60 time and it's you know um a thousand pounds or more or less weight um Kind of curious to see how that car actually performs in endurance racing um it's uh uh a uh issue for electric cars in terms of heat buildup in the batteries and the motors. I'm curious to see how they deal with that, but that's another subject. Um, um, anyhow, I love the show. I love what you're doing. I'm really looking forward to seeing how you respond to your Model 3 when it comes in, and, you know, depending on which version you get. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to uh, listen to your podcast. I like your perspective from a gaming perspective, a car enthusiast. You know, I, I was just as enamored with the DeLorean and uh, the Back to the Future days as, uh, as I think you were. I, I didn't get a chance to get one, but um, I've seen some up close and really enjoy the car. So um, anyhow, uh, keep up the great work, and uh, um, thanks again for all that you do. Take care. Bye. Boy, I hope you're right, Damon. I really do. I would love to see the Model 3 performance sprint to 60 in under three seconds. That would be absolutely incredible. And you make valid points about the weight, but also remember that this is a 75 kilowatt hour car, so there is less power to pull from in the pack compared to the P100 
D, S, or X. I would be more than happy if the final performance Model 3 ended up splitting the difference between your prediction and mine, which would mean we'd get a car in the low threes. Uh, I can't wait to find out what the specs of this thing are going to be. I, I suspect that's not going to be for several more months yet, but uh, we'll see. Next up is Ryan in Cleveland also wants to talk uh, performance Model 3 while we're on the subject. Ryan, what do you have? Hey, Ryan, this is Ryan out in Cleveland. Just calling after listening to you guess at what you think the 0 to 60 time will be on the performance uh, version of the Model 3. Um, and uh, the reason I'm calling is you're obviously thinking that because it's a cheaper car, it can't be faster. And that isn't consistent with what other car companies have done, as far as I know. Um, usually the bigger cars are not faster than the smaller ones, but the bigger cars are more expensive, though. And that's based on uh, luxury, not uh, speed. Uh, the 7 Series at BMW compared to the 3 or 2 Series uh, would be a good example. All right. So I was thinking. Bye. Always good to hear from a fellow Ryan. And Ryan, uh, it is true, but also remember that Elon already said that Model S will always have the better performance. Uh, I, and I'm definitely going to take his word on that. So... I just don't think there's any planet on which the 3PLR, if I may say so, no. <laughs> it's, a, it's a mouthful. We've got to come up with a good term. And by the way, that was Model 3 Performance Long Range, but um, I suppose the, there probably won't be a performance model of the standard range, so maybe the LR part's redundant. But just go with uh, maybe just M3P, Model 3 Performance? I don't know. Anyway, um, I just don't think there's any, any, like I said, any way that the, the Model 3 performance outdoes the P100DS or even X off the line, even with the weight advantage. Uh, again, I'd love to see it under three seconds, even if that means 2.9. That would be amazing. Um, but let me give my semi-silly reason for this, by the way, too. When the P85D came out, it was 0 to 60 in 3.2 seconds, which they later updated to 3.1 after a firmware update. And that car, that was called Insane Mode. If you remember, that's, that was the first, the first one when they, they first did that, went to the, uh, you know, that sort of uh, goofy, tongue-in-cheek uh, acceleration name. So that was 3.2, then 3.1, and that was Insane. When the P90D Ludicrous came out and pushed that down to 2.8 seconds, they called it Ludicrous. So, personally, I think I'd like to see Ludicrous mode reserved for under three seconds, zero to 60 time. And Elon did promise long ago that we'd have an optional Ludicrous mode. So, uh, of course, I'm obviously projecting, <laughs> I'm projecting my own desired logic. Onto, onto Elon, which may not be real at all. But in any case, uh, as, I said, as I said with Damon's call, I can't wait to find out what the specs of this thing are. Uh, two back-to-back -back calls here real quick. Uh, the first one's anonymous, and the second one is from our friend Remy in the Netherlands. Both of them are in response to my sort of call-out last week about uh, what the heck Elon meant about the full self-driving uh, option and, and upgrading your hardware. You know, if, if, uh, everybody would get their hardware replaced or just the people 
that paid for the full self-driving option. So interestingly, you're going to find that both of these gentlemen uh, are, are thinking on the same lines. Great minds think alike here. So uh, here, take a quick listen to both of these calls. Hi, Ryan. Uh, in the last episode, you posed the question, will Tesla upgrade um, computers for people who did not purchase the uh, full self-driving option in advance? Um, I think it's actually, it's, uh, seems pretty clear they probably wouldn't if you didn't purchase the uh, computer in advance uh, because there'd really be no reason to upgrade your computer if you're not going to use it. Now, of course, I think if you do buy self-driving later on and you pay the, you know, like 4000 or whatever it's going to be uh, at that point, uh, I'm sure, and if you had the old computer, I'm sure they would upgrade you at that point. But uh, uh, since, you know, you're going to need it for the full self-driving functionality, but if you never buy the option and you've got the old computer, uh, I don't see any reason why they would upgrade your computer. Anyway, that's all I had to say about that. Thank you. Love the podcast. Hey, Ryan, this is Remy, your friend from the Netherlands. You asked to chime in on the thing Elon Musk said during the earnings call about full self-driving uh, hardware upgrades only available to those who paid the 3000 US dollars for it. I think this is what he meant. If you paid the $3,000, then you will get the hardware upgrade. If you didn't, you won't. And this makes perfect sense. Why would they upgrade a very expensive chip or a computer on a car that doesn't use the functionality? So I think it makes perfect sense to only upgrade the hardware on the cars that, uh, with the owners who actually paid for it. I do believe that if you would pay for it at a later stage, you would still be uh, eligible for uh, the hardware upgrade. But as long as you don't pay for the full self-driving option, you won't get the hardware upgrade. Does that make sense to you as well? I hope to hear your comments on this in your next show. I also hope that you have a lot of fun with your new dog, Daisy the Boxer, and good luck with the body training. Thanks. Bye. Gentlemen, thank you for the calls. And Ramey, the way you phrased it specifically makes it pretty clear. You're totally right. Why would they upgrade if you are not using it? Why would they upgrade you if you're not using it? The one counter I would offer to that that came to mind is if it turns out that the cars do need an upgrade for, for full self-driving, it is possible, I'm not sure how likely, but it is possible that Tesla would want all of the cars upgraded anyway, even if you haven't paid for it and, you, and are using the feature, so that Tesla can collect the data in shadow mode. If they need new hardware in order to do that, I could see them going ahead and doing that with everybody anyway. All right, two more calls this week. Next up is our friend Lawton from Chicago. Haven't heard from him in a little while. Uh, and he also wants to talk full self-driving. So Lawton, please go ahead. Hi, Ryan. It's Lawton from Chicago. Wanted to share my thoughts on Elon's comments from the investor call regarding the hardware needed for full self-driving. His comments on the potential capability of current autopilot hardware are in many ways a step back from his previous expectations. In the past, he stated the anticipated self-driving vehicles would need to be 10 times safer than human drivers to achieve regulatory approval. So to say that current hardware should be equal to a human driver is a significant difference. Of note, he does not specify whether he's referring to hardware 2.0, which was introduced in fall 2016, or version 2.5 mid-2017, with greater processing power present in all models, whether S, X, or 3. 
The bigger question is whether the current sensors are sufficient to achieve the necessary margin of safety, assuming adequate CPU performance. I hope the hardware 2.5 has sufficient processing power and sensors. After all, it would be much easier for Tesla to replace the CPU in tens of thousands of models S and X, rather than hundreds of thousands of Model 3s. Another possibility is that we will see hardware 3 cars in the near future with even greater computing power and perhaps enhanced sensors. Thanks for putting together another fantastic earnings call podcast and look forward to your thoughts. Thanks, Lawton. And yeah, it's it's interesting a note, uh, interesting to note, pardon me, as you have done, that Elon has come back down to earth a little bit on autopilot predictions with the tech. They did say very recently, though, that they that Tesla now has the sort of quote foundation of their neural net right. That they have that they have it right. So hopefully that means progress on those improvements is going to speed up the pace of those of those improvements. Uh, and the, the speed at which new new ones come along. And I tell you, I definitely wouldn't bet against your thought that there is a hardware three on the way. I think it's inevitable. The only question is how significant of an upgrade over it's going to be over hardware 2.5, which Tesla has claimed was a fairly minor upgrade over 2.0. So uh, good stuff, Lawton. As always, thank you very much. Let's close out here with Jason in Newport Beach. Doing a public service, I asked for these, and here is Jason to deliver uh, the first one. I'm going to love hearing about these for the coming weeks and months. Jason, take it away. Hey, Ryan. Jason from Newport Beach here. Uh, It is Tuesday morning. Just saw a transporter heading southbound on the 405 through Los Angeles carrying Model 3 and uh, a couple of Model S's as well. Looks like they're heading probably down to the Costa Mesa Sales and Service Center, but uh, good to see some mile, Model 3s uh, coming out and into the wild. Look forward to seeing more on the road soon. Thought I'd let you know. Thanks. Bye. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jason. Let's keep reporting on these and keep enjoying it because it is true that soon, which itself, this will be a good thing, but also a little disappointing, a little like a little sad, but ultimately good. Soon, uh, these are not going to be special anymore. They're going to be so commonplace that it's not fun and it's not exciting or and it's not newsworthy. So we're going to enjoy this little anticipatory period where every sighting is super exciting and, uh, and something special. So thanks so much for that eyes-on report from the field, Jason. And if anybody else wants to call into the Ride the Lightning hotline, I welcome it anytime. Like I said, you can either use the voice recorder in your own smartphone and just record on there and then email me the file. Uh, the email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can call in on the Ride the Lightning hotline, which is, again, toll-free. It's up 24-7. Just call in, leave a message, and that number, again, is one 989 8752 Come right back with a few parting thoughts for you right after this. Ugh, I am so I'm so relieved that I have a voice for the show today. I was a little worried because uh, I was at a concert last night. There was a fantastic band. Uh, it was called Band Together uh, here in San Francisco. It was a benefit concert for the uh, wildfire relief for those affected by the uh, 
just devastating wildfires here in the Bay Area and the, specifically the North Bay. And uh, Dave Matthews and Tim Reynolds played acoustic acoustically, and I they were phenomenal. I, I love the I love Dave Matthews. And then uh, the Dead and Company, which was you know Bob Weir and like most of the Grateful Dead, and then with John Mayer with them too. And I I adore John Mayer. I think he's a supremely talented guy. So that was pretty cool. And then and then I was definitely singing and yelling my heart out. Uh, I, I I you know you can tell from the name of the show I like Metallica <laughs> Ride the Lightning. And Metallica headlined, and boy, they they were a treat too. What a blast that was! So I'm like, I can tell my voice is it's barely hanging on, but thankfully, I do have it. So I'm glad I made it through the show. Anyway, uh, I want to start by uh, reminding you about as more and more Model Threes are making their way to employees. That means they're one step closer to getting into uh, non-employees' hands, other reservation holders, just uh, regular old citizens. And if you are considering hanging on to that Model 3 for a while, keeping it beautiful, keeping it pristine, you might want to consider paint protection. Uh, And in that case, if you are doing so, please take a look at Immaculate Reflections. IRDetailing.com is the website. You can also look them up on Yelp and Instagram at Immaculate underscore Reflections. They are uh, one of the Bay Area's finest detailers. They work in Seacourt's finest for the uh, the ceramic coating. They'll do the SunTech paint protection film for you if you're interested in that. They'll do paint correction, new car delivery prep, the whole thing. They're uh, not too far from the Tesla factory here in the San Francisco area. So uh, do keep that in mind if that is something that you are considering for your Model 3 or just whatever new Tesla or any new car that you're getting. On that note, uh, we've got abstractocean.com as well. They've been kind to just keep that 20% off coupon rolling for listeners of this podcast. So if you're shopping for Tesla accessories for you and or your car, check out abstractocean.com uh, and use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout in order to get 20%. And that is not insignificant. 20% off of your order there. Uh, Patreon. If you enjoy the podcast each and every week, would love it if you would take a look at the Patreon page, maybe consider a pledge. Totally optional. Obviously, the show will continue to come your way each and every week, regardless of whether or not you contribute a dime. But uh, should you should you uh, decide to do that, I would be super grateful. You can go to the Patreon page located at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Uh, and my Patreon producers, I want to shout out to all of them, of course. They're the kind folks supporting at the $20 or higher level each month. That gets them a shout out on the podcast, as well as uh, access to not only early access to every week's episode, but access to the monthly bonus episode as well. So that's uh, a nice little perk they get. In fact, I just posted between when I published last week's and this week's, the November edition, this month's Patreon-exclusive bonus show is up. Again, that's for $10 and up Patreon folks. The callers on there, listen for your name, possibly, if you want to hear yourself. you got to go check it out on the bonus episode. Uh, Ralph from L.A. called in. Ned from Syracuse. Jason from Newport Beach. Jason from L.A. Uh, Isaac from San Francisco. John from New Orleans. Jason from Tucson. Isaiah from Chicago. And Elliot from from New York City, 
We talked about a lot of great topics. The Model 3 production ramp was covered. Uh, the trucking, uh, the trucking. Uh, one of the callers was works in the trucking industry, and we're talking Tesla Semi. Uh, we had Model 3 deliveries uh, talked about as well. And then the, uh, the sort of difference, the, the pluses and minuses of 20-inch Model X wheels versus 22-inch wheels, um, Tesla appearing in a new book by a really high-profile author, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, that's the monthly Patreon-exclusive bonus show. Check that out if you're at the uh, $10 level or higher with me. I sincerely appreciate your support. And again, those Patreon producers... Jeff Bartram, Paul Hussey, DJ Harbaugh, Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassiopo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Scott Gillis, Michael Lucas, Alexi Heft, Lisa Kaz, Michael O'Prey, Logan Willis, Matthew Parra, Michael Lester, Robert Miracle, Vince Vaughn, John Lasher, Harold Plug, Jason Chalukas, Emotion Rentals, uh, Richard Ouellette, Andreas Cohen, Sean Fournier, Tim Hyde, Marcus Mayenschein, and by the way, our newest Patreon producer, Lee Sweet. Welcome, Lee. Thank you so, so much. You can follow me on Twitter if you're interested. I'm at DMC underscore Ryan. And as I've mentioned a couple times in the show, you can always email me, teslapodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to the podcast if you do not do so already. That way, uh, it just gets auto-downloaded to you each week. We're available on uh, iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, or pick it up via the RSS feed or just grab MP3s off the hosting site. And the hosting site is teslapodcast.libsyn.com. Libsyn spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N. I am going to be on vacation. I'm leaving uh, late next week. So my plan and hope is to record on Thursday but the semi-event is happening, so if it, uh, I should still hopefully get the show done on Friday and thus up Friday evening for, for you Patreon folks. But if it does happen to slip to Saturday, I, please accept my apologies in advance. I will be still doing a, uh, a podcast from vacation like I always do. That the show, the show must go on. It is true. I, I want to make sure it's always still going, but I uh, just wanted to give you a, a little warning in case the timing uh, is off a little bit uh, in the next in the next week or so. But in any case, I, I was just so grateful for your time, for your trust that you would uh, that you would spend an hour or in this week's case, gosh, like an hour and fifteen minutes or so. so. Last week was a big one too. So thank you all so so much. I just sincerely appreciate your your time and your support. And happy electric motoring. And I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.